on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. It's interesting yeah. when you do that because people just get so discarded. They realize you're not out there with a knife to their throat trying to get a sale. It's like, I don't need you to continue to be successful in business. I've got a roster of people I'm working for already. But if you want to level up and do the things that we're doing over here, we're happy to have you. Being nonchalant about it, I think helps way more yeah. than just being like pushy about it and trying to really just push it down somebody's throat. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. I've got Ryan Snod here on the King stage. My brother, how we doing? How's it going, Chaz? Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, man. Hey, I appreciate you being here. Two Midwest fellas. Talking yeah, we're probably, today. what, three hours away from each other? Yeah. Stones yeah. throw. Stones, stones that's right. In the grand scheme of the, the internet world, a stone's throw. You're right. We might as well be backyard friends. You know, I, I'm glad that you're here. I'm excited for this, though, because we haven't had a whole lot of folks specifically in what you do. And I think that you're going to be able to provide some just really unique value here to the listener. So tell us what kind of business that you got, brother. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks again for having me on, man. The, the business that I own, it's called Snod Media Group. So it's named after my last name, goofy last name, but it rhymes with odd is what I always tell people. But I'm basically a video marketer based here in central Iowa, and I help businesses produce and script content that drives results for people. So it's similar to just video production, but the thing that makes me different and my team different is we really try to build out a marketing strategy for folks and try to merge the gap between, you know, an agency and a production team because I come yeah. in, we can talk about this. I come from the agency world and I saw a huge hole in the market of people that are really good with the camera, but that have no clue what their clients are using their videos for. So that's, that's right. really the, the core of what I do. So I love that. And you're right. I'm even thinking about some of my own experiences with agencies and or even video production teams that we've used. And there is a gap. It's like two separate arms and they often don't talk to each other. Absolutely. Yeah. So just trying to merge the, merge the business with the creative and, and make it really, yeah. really streamlined for people. So I love that. Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, before you told me how to say your last name, I was on your website and searching around and I loved actually on there. Be, be bold, be odd. Now that I know that it uh, rhymes with your last name, that, that makes perfect sense now, but I loved it regardless. Be bold, be odd. Is that mantra a marketing thing? Is that really what you believe? Tell us about be bold, be odd. Yeah, absolutely. So I always look at marketing as if you're trying to do what other people are doing in your industry, it's the opposite of what you want to do, right? I always tell the example when I worked in the agency world that it was notorious that a car dealership locally would start running ads on TV and then all five of the other ones would start doing the exact same thing. Right. They would just, well, if our competition's on TV, we yeah. should be on TV. And it was like, what are you guys doing? Like, you got to zig when your competitors zag. That's the whole point of marketing. So for me, I really lean into that philosophy and knowing that if you're being different than other people, that's what's going to get the attention. So really, like we said, being bold, being out there with yourself. I talk with plenty of business owners and people that run marketing departments that try to play it safe. It's not the way to go, in my opinion. Like you'd rather have people talking about you than just being noise because there's too much crap out there and too much fluff. You might as well stand out in some way. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I don't want to press into this here in a few minutes because the way that you're thinking about this as far as being, you know, maybe the, the oddball or the one that's doing things different zigging when everyone's zagging. I've actually always felt that way, but I always feel like there's like this, this like oppressive thumb coming down on me from marketing worlds of no, uh, if it works, don't, don't, don't rearrange the order. And, and so I think there's a creative genius here that, that we can get into. But before we do that, I want to know your, like, you already said why your business is different, but wh what's like burning inside of you? What's, what's on the inside of Ryan that makes Ryan so unique and different and, and after this thing like you are? Sure. Yeah. I think for me, like my, my interest stems from trying to build a life and a lifestyle that is conducive to growth, but also 
to scratch those creative itches, right? When I when I left college, I really thought corporate was my world. I went and interviewed everywhere and I saw the death in some of these people's eyes when I'm like, what do you do for work? And they're like, I'm an analyst three. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't want this. Like, stay away. So like, just yeah. the, the pursuit of just being authentically myself and trying to just be doing the things that I enjoy. I think about all the things that I like. I love fitness. I love business marketing. I try to merge all those things together. I shoot a lot for fitness companies and, and corporate fitness and gyms and stuff like that to try to scratch that itch, but also building yeah. online programs and, and business and what would I call it? Like digital products online to scratch sure. that itch, you know, trying to just build a lifestyle and a business that fits the way I want to go about life. Yeah. What do you think has, I guess, what's, what's inside of you that makes you want to build, right? Like what, what is the greater maybe desire or what's the outcome or what's the why? Sure. I think the, the, the piece of it that I think is interesting is we're at such a pivotal time in human history where it's easy to do these things. I mean, you talk about my, my grandparents owned a, a grain mill in our small town, like our 600 person small town when I was really, really mm -hmm. little. And that was like third generation to get it to that size. And it took literally a hundred years to get it to the point where it was making decent money. Or now right. you can literally open a Shopify store and be a millionaire in two months. Like, it's just ridiculous how like different the world landscape is. Everyone that I know has side hustles. They do fun things they enjoy. They're making money from it, selling their art, making music, do whatever. Like there's just so much opportunity to do those things. Yeah. And I think a lot of people trade passion for a paycheck, but I think there's a, there's a way that you can merge both in this world. And that's really what I'm trying to, to do is to take the things that I enjoy doing and, and make a living from it. Yeah. What would you say to the person listening right now? Uh, maybe they're running a business that once upon a time they were you know, really excited about or that it, it itched, you know, those things for them, whatever those things are, but maybe just over the course of time, the over course of building, right? Because it's not always the fun stuff inside of building. There's, there's hard stuff too. And so you're saying that it's, it's worth it. But for the guy listening right now or the gal listening right now who's building and maybe he's lost sight of that passion that you're talking about, that creative itch, whatever that is for them, how do they get back to that? Or how would you suggest that they get back to that? Sure. I mean, there's, there's definitely a, a point in time where you have to look yourself in the mirror and be like, this is going to suck for a while. But once I get to that hump, then it'll be better, you know, but I think if you're, right. if you're realistic about it, then you can start looking at logistics of, okay, if I say you run a, a brick and mortar business, it's like, how long do I have to be the front desk person until I can hire someone? How long, what do I need to do to get those things? So I think figuring out what tasks and what types of jobs within your business that you really, really enjoy doing, figuring out the shortest path to get to that point, I think is super huge. Cause a lot of people are like, well, you know, I, I hate sales, but it's the one thing that brings money in the door. So I'll just keep doing it. It's like, how much happier would your life be if you hired a really kick-ass salesperson? Right. And then you can go back to baking cookies in your bakery because that's what you started the business for in the first place. So right. I think really trying to figure out what lights you up inside. Because for me, yeah. like I'm the one creative in the entire state of Iowa that is not obsessed with shooting on a camera and editing. Like I'm really, really good at it. Been doing it for almost 10 years now. But it's not the thing that lights me up. Like I love building my business. I love helping business owners, marketers, like get the thing that gets them more money, that makes them right. happier, that hits their goals, that gets them the promotion. Like I love that side of it. So I think that's really like trying to find yeah. the pieces in the business that light you up and really leaning into those things. Yeah. I mean, I think that you just gave some great examples there, especially even for you saying, yes, I'm a creative, but really what I've loved is the building of the business process. Not so much necessarily the shooting or the editing, although like you said, you've done those things and, and, and that could be translated into any business, whether it's marketing, whether it's, you know, building something physical like a home or 
doing something on a commercial project of sorts or, you know, doing real estate. Like we've had, we've had all those people here on the show and it's like, man, we got to pick their lane. I want to hear a little bit about your story. You know, you, you, you've been doing this thing for 10 years, you said, but tell us a little bit about that journey. What were you even doing maybe before that? Sure. Yeah. So I would say kind of my story started in college. I would say my freshman summer of college, I tried to get an internship in Des Moines and internships at the time said, Hey, you need an internship to get this internship. So I moved home. <laughs> you need experience to get an entry-level internship, right? So I moved home and worked at the local meat plant for the summer. My mom got me a job out there, and it was 10 p.m. until 8 a.m. night shift. Oh. And luckily, didn't get the... I mean, it's like we made Vienna sausages, Hormel chili. Like I was like, please don't put me in the cooking area because I'm just going to smell like burned meat all the time, right? So yep. long story short, I got packaging. I was really happy. So I was like almost asleep at my machine, sitting there hitting a button <laughs> at two in the morning. And a guy kicks the door open and he's frantic and he's got like red stuff all over his face. And he's like, you. And I said, what? And he's like, there's been an explosion in the chili room. Like, we need you to come, come here quick. I'm like, okay. So I run down to the chili room. They put me in a Oompa Loompa smock and the muck boots and give me a shovel. And he's like, just try to breathe out of your mouth. I was like, okay. So they open this door and I don't know if you've ever seen those huge propane tanks that are out oh. in like fields that have propane in them. We had six of those, but they were full. They were like ovens that were cooking Hormel chili. Well, the guy that was running those ovens, he fell asleep at his machine Oh no. and they exploded it. And it was like volcanic chili, Pompeii all over the floor. <laughs> and there was like, almost like chin to knee deep chili. And I spent the next like four or five hours of my shift shoveling chili into a bucket and it smelled terrible because it was burned to all hell. And there's wow. a point at that time where I was like 19, I was going to college, but I was kind of like, I don't know really what I want to do. And as I was shoveling that stuff, <clears throat> I just stopped for a second. I'm like, I never want to do this crap again. I never want to like do a job that just sucks so bad that I'm like miserable at. And there were people that were there that were career guys that were doing it for like 40 years. And they were just so happy to have a good paycheck because they didn't go to college or do anything that they wanted to yeah. do, which is fine. That's perfectly fine. But I'm like, this is not for me. So anyway, long story short, fast forward, I ended up going to college. I never missed a class again. I was like, I'm graduated. I'm getting my degree and I'm doing what I want to do. So that was wow. kind of what propelled me there. And then basically graduated college. I started shooting videos though in college and kind of my intro to video production was I got a GoPro for Christmas for my grandma before I went to my European study abroad trip. So I went to Europe, shot a bunch of videos on my GoPro, thought it was really cool, came home and was like up all night editing on uh, Windows Movie Maker, which is like a free editing tool. And it's very, very basic. So I was like, oh, this is so cool. Put my video together. And I think I was kind of hooked after that point. I started making a ton of videos, super into fitness. So I started doing a fitness YouTube channel. So I did uh, weekly uploads for an entire year. So 52 uploads while I was going to school and working and all the stuff. Yeah. And I had to the end of the year, I got 40 subscribers and nobody was watching my videos. So then I kind of <laughs> took a pause. I'm like, well, you know, I'll just like kind of table this for a little bit. And then another year went by and I was working at Target at the time and I found a camera in the, in the camera kit that was on clearance. It's like a $500 T5i, which is like a very basic, I mean, it can only shoot 1080p video. It doesn't even use slow motion. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I'm going to buy this and see if, what I can do. And basically took that camera and in one year made about $10,000 with it, just shooting like nights, weekends, little projects here and there. And I was like, wow, this is like, this could be something here. Cause it's like, I'm not even trying that hard. And this just made a good chunk of money for a you know broke college student. This is pretty Seriously. good. Yeah. So that was kind of my, my intro to starting to shoot videos. Wow. 
And what was that moment for you that you said, okay, like I'm taking this thing from a, you know, a hobby from a $500, you know, discounted camera to I'm going to build a business around this. Yeah. Yeah. So I took basically most and against most of the people I knew at the time, I took almost all the profit from that year, basically like eight or nine grand. And I went and bought two or three more 4k cameras, a gimbal, like upgraded my kit substantially. Yeah. And that's basically the kit that I've been running for the last 10 years. I mean, I've been adding stuff, but I'm also like a very frugal purchaser of gear where a lot of people I talk to, like they solely run a business so they can write off all their camera addiction. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They're like crackheads, but instead of crack, it's camera gear. They just love that stuff. So that's kind of what got me into it. And then, you know, I, I graduated, I ended up getting a job right out of college that I kind of built within a company that didn't exist. It was uh, a video production company of about 20 people and they did large scale productions for grocery chains in the area. Like, the, the requisite prerequisite was most projects were not under 25,000. So you do a 30 second video for like 30 grand or 40 grand wow. or whatever. Yeah. So that was a huge opportunity for me. I, I basically worked there for four and a half years, built this uh, role from nothing that I had that got them like recurring revenue. So we started doing marketing retainers for clients and agriculture is huge in Iowa. So ag yep. podcasts and insurance and stuff like that. So in- industries I wasn't super interested in, but the conversations I got to sit in on were invaluable because I got to learn how to how to negotiate a deal for like 120 grand for a video or two and shooting stuff for like Berkshire Hathaway, like Warren Buffett's company and like all these crazy projects. And I'm like, right. These people don't have the secret sauce. They just know how to sell it. So it's like, that was a really cool opportunity. Yeah. So I did that for four and a half years. And then all the while I was still shooting nights and weekends. And then kind of my breaking point was coming up towards the last year. And when I was working there, I took all two and a half weeks of my PTO and did nights and weekends, and I would work 12 hours a day for like four days or three days, get my 40 hours in, and then I would take off on a Friday and go to like Kansas City and shoot for a client down there for three days, or I'd go to right. Minnesota for a while. Like I would, I would bulk my time, and then I was basically just going all over the place shooting nights and weekends, and I was working like 80, 80 hours a week, and I was like, this, yeah. this is kind of <laughs> time to jump. So I made the yeah. jump and haven't looked back since. So yeah. I, I, I hear that story and I just, I, I want to point out to the listener that this is like the, what I would suggest is like the best way to live as an entrepreneur, but without, you know, just giving up everything recklessly, you know, abandon all the things that worked. And it's very similar to what I did, which is, you know, it's not, it's not that I never, ever took a leap. There was a point in time where I left a six figure job and took a leap on my first business. But there was, there was always something that I had in the background, very similar to what you have going on here, where you just kept doing your thing, kept doing your thing until it just basically took over. And it's like, I I literally can't do this anymore. I have to focus on this. And, and I'm not, I'm not a, like an anti burn the ships type of a guy. I think that there are some people who need to burn the ships now and you have no money, but just go and do the thing. But I just think that the way that you did it, you described yourself as a pretty frugal or maybe prudent might be a better word is that that process that you just described is very prudent. It's very like diligent and very like, okay, I'm, I'm calculated about my risk here and I'm going to do this thing long enough until I just physically can't and then I'm going to go press hard into this other thing. So I just, congratulations, man. I just really, really impressive story. What do you think you. allowed you to do that for so long? Because there's so many entrepreneurs possibly even listening right now and they're like, Oh my gosh, I can't do both. I like I don't have any enough time. Or maybe they're already in their own business and they're already saying, I don't I can't do all this. It's too much, you know. What gave you the prudence or or the the diligence maybe to be able to do both of those for so long? Sure. Well, I would start with I'm probably the worst entrepreneur ever because I do not like taking risk. I'm like the anti-risk entrepreneur, which is like literal dictionary definition is like 
a business owner yes. to take a ridiculous amount of risk to start a business. Yes. And I'm like the opposite <laughs> of that. I'm like, the, I'll just take a little bit here and there. So that's the first part. The second part was it was a perfect storm of where I was in life. So I was in my early 20s. My wife and I had just bought a really cheap house. You know, we weren't like starting a family right away. We weren't taking on a bunch of extra expenses. So that was part of it too. So timeline wise, I like had the flexibility and the interest to do it. Where if somebody yeah. were to start this and they're 40 and they've got five kids, like it's a different story. It right? would be different. Yeah. The other piece of it too was I was kind of, I hate to say like lazy with it, but at the when, like early years, I'd make like 20 to 60,000 in the business and I wouldn't take a paycheck because I had a full-time job. So my stupid yeah. ass would keep money in the, like I would like pay taxes on it and just keep it. And I wouldn't even pay it out to myself. I wouldn't even use it because I'm like a penny hoarder. Like I can't do it. So the breaking point for me was I was engaged. My wife and I, my wife's a super spender. And I'm like, as you can tell, like a penny pincher. Not, so we make, yeah. We make a great team, right? So she, I mean, she would just spend money like crazy, but it wasn't our money yet. But once we were engaged, it was really bothering me because I'm like, I'm like, oh man, this is going to like, this is going to be sucky when we get married and like, she's going to spend all of our money and whatever. She's going to so. drain the, she's going to drain it. Yeah. Yeah. So then one of my buddies, who's also a filmmaker, he had went to Iowa state. He was the kicker for Iowa state. His name's Cole Netton. So if any Cyclones fans know he's a, he was the kicker for them a couple of years ago <laughs> and him and his wife paid off 42,000 in debt in 11 months. And he was unemployed for half of that time because he quit his job to start a filmmaking business. So wow. I heard his story and I'm like, how did you do it? So his financial coach, his name's Travis. Shout out to Travis. He changed my life. That's Basically awesome. met with him six months before our wedding. And he said, hey, let's calculate all your debt. So we realized like, between the two of us, we had 116K in debt. Wow. And he's like, hey, we could get all this paid off in a year and a half if you guys really focus and have a goal. And I was like, there's no way. Like, there's absolutely no way. So we ran the numbers. Truth was, you know, if, if she stopped spending as much and I actually <laughs> paid myself out of my business and right. we really cut our expenses down, we could do it. And yeah. lo and behold, we did. We paid it all off in probably 18 months. We paid off 116000 in debt, everything besides our house. And the, the huge driving point for that was like, I have to put my foot down on this business and just dump gasoline right. on it and just, it yep. has to blow up. So once I had the why in my life, mm. the business tripled. I was making a six-figure income on the side while I was working at my full-time job. And yep. I never saw any of that money because it all went to all the debt collectors. But once that was out of the, out of the smoke and we went on our honeymoon and we were done, and I was like, oh my God, if I did this for one more year, like I'd have yeah, so much money. And that's, that's what really pushed me to, to do it was having a really strong why. Yeah. So, you know, I asked you your why already, but I have to ask now because that why is gone. What's the maybe more tangible why that you're after right now? What's the target rather that you're after now since, since debt's gone and, and you're still building, you're still pushing. You obviously built a successful business. What's kept you going? What's, what's on the radar? Sure. Yeah. I would say like current trajectory definitely is having like shorter term business goals for me. Big one this year was like get a commercial space. I did that in February. So I'm in it right now. Second would be to hire my first like part-time full-time employee. Currently have a roster of like 15 contractors that we use, which can get expensive. So making again, like I I'm a weirdo that like, I love the growth, like just the little tiny bits, like the, the success won't come to me when I'm sitting on a golden throne covered in like the Scrooge McDuck type thing. Like right. it's the process of getting there that has been super exciting for me and just really fulfilling. So having those little things here and there, but then also, I mean, my wife and I have a son, we have another one on the way. So like providing a lifestyle for them. And yeah. I always say like my pie in the skies, I have this weird daydream where it's like, 
you know, we live on a lake house. Like we have, I mean, we live on the lake now, but like having like a very specific like vision of like life, yep. like what that lifestyle is like the fun we're doing and it's not out of reach at all. So I think that's, that's really yeah. the thing that drives me is like having that picture. It's kind of like your vision board or your mood board. It's like having that really stuck yeah. in my head all the time. Yeah. I love that. I've got a specific time on Wednesdays. I read a visualization that I've created every single day, but on Wednesdays specifically, I take time after I'm done reading it to close my eyes and actually visualize it, which is exactly what you're talking about. So I appreciate that. The one thing I heard you say though, I got to, I got to poke a little, not fun, but like almost like a wow is, I don't know if you guys, listeners were paying attention there, but <laughs> he says, I'm a seven figure entrepreneur and I have no employees. Holy moly. That is a cranking business. And, and I know you got vendors and, and subs that you're using for different parts, but that's incredible to, to have a successful business like you do and to have done it in a structure that enables you to kind of do your thing, which I think is just really, really cool. It's very, it's very 2023, just like how businesses right. are being done today. It's why people ask me all the time if I'll, if I'll get a commercial space. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I, I got, I got team members in Arizona, in Nebraska, in Kansas, in Missouri, in, England, in the Philippines, like, what, what am I going to do with a commercial space? I got my studio here in the house. And guess what? When I get done here, I'm going to go, I'm going to go hug my kids. Like, <laughs> why would I want that any different? You know? Sure. Sure. Anyway, it's just the encouragement to the listener is like, with the way you've done it or the way that I've done it, the, the just strategic things that you can do inside of a business to make it your life as you, as you just described, this Absolutely. is the way that you want it. Hey, Kings and Queens, Chaz Wolf. I want to talk to you about something that's super important to me. We put a lot of time and effort, we meaning myself and my team, into this podcast, into the content that goes out every single day. And if you have been getting any sort of value or insight from this, we want it to be able to reach other business owners too. So we would love if you would like, comment, share, leave a review, post, share again, <laughs> all of the things on social media, on all the different platforms or even on the podcast mediums of Apple and Spotify. We would love to be able to get our content into more hands, more entrepreneurs, so they can grow their business as quick as possible. Together, we are building a community of like-minded entrepreneurs who are committed to growing their businesses to new heights. So let's do this. Let's help each other. Let's help each other grow. All right, I want to know a practical decision that you've made in this business. Obviously, you've grown it incredibly since then, but what's something that you've done that's been a good decision that you look back on and you're like, I would do that over and over and over again? Sure. I would say for me, it was kind of leaning again on, on the frugality. Like there's so many chances I had to buy over the top gear. Like I said, when I worked sure. at the agency, we had probably over a million dollars worth of assets and like camera equipment, lighting equipment. The, the quality of the actual product to the client is, is better, but not enough that it makes it worth that X, like 10 times X the investment. So right. for me, I would say like having just enough gear that is going to get you the result that you want that you can charge top dollar for. And then yep. the scalability of it too. I think that's, that's been really the big thing for me is just like taking small calculated expenses, but then really making sure you're, I mean, for my projects, like I'm trying to do at least 80% profit margin on them, if not more. So having yep. a massive profit heavy business has been really helpful to really, again, have calculated growth. So you're not, you know, you talk about some, some businesses like manufacturing or whatnot, you're lucky to get 10% margin where it's like, I'm the complete opposite of that. Like I'm looking for like, 80% margin in some of my projects. So really trying to have the focus on profitability on each project and keeping expenses as low as possible to help scale yeah. that growth. Yeah, I love that. How do you think that someone listening today, because I, I've seen this time and time again, someone gets into business or the first couple of years and you're right, they get excited about the camera equipment. They get excited about the new trucks. They get excited about, you know, 
whatever it is that they that they do that costs money because they start selling. And I mean, it's, it's not that it's hard to sell or easy to sell. Just typically when you kind of go into business, it's like, this is what you do now. So deals come to you. And so deals start coming to you. You're making money. <laughs> it's really hard to go. Why not upgrade? But I think you gave some practical things there for you around this video quality isn't a hundred X better for this, you know, price tag. I can make it, I can make it part of the best, but with this price tag, which makes it profitable. How does someone who's maybe not in cameras or in video marketing think about that for their business? Maybe give us some general thought process around frugality. Sure. Yeah. I would say, I mean, just looking at look at your biggest expenses on your balance sheet, on your, you know, profit and loss statement. What what's the thing that's sucking the most money out of your business? Sometimes it's owner stroke. You're you're just taking too much money out. Like that might be a thing. Yep. Or yeah. I also feel like every time I try to make a big financial decision with my business, I always have to take a big step back and say, Am I doing this to stroke my ego? Am I doing this to look cool? Like with my commercial space, I looked at purchasing right out of the gate, talked to my financial coach, a couple other people that I've worked with. They're like, absolutely don't do that because you could be a slave to your business. Like you, you could own a, you know, half million dollar commercial space or building or a million dollars. And if you're like, crap, I can't make the mortgage payment on it. Now you're like, uh, I got to like somehow make payroll. Like it adds all this extra stress where if all you had to worry about is your rent or your lease payment. Right. And then you can learn and that type of stuff. So I would yep. say like looking at that and making sure the ego is not driving your purchasing decisions for your business. Um, yep. I also think if you have employees, like just giving them a charge card and saying,
marketing can be a really good tool if you use it properly. But to your point, the making sure that it's unique is 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 harder than it sounds because it's like, oh, just be unique. But yeah. I think as long as you know who your core audience is, that can really steer if they're into humor, if they think yeah. things are funny, if they're more serious, really what the solution is for them. I think that's really the, the steering point there. A good good example of this would be like a local internet provider here. They always advertise gig speed or you know speeds up to 400 meg who the hell knows how fast that is like you're marketing yeah. <laughs> towards your own internal people that know what that is like the average consumer doesn't know anything it's like selling a car yeah. being like man look how fast them pistons run like no one cares yeah. like it's if you get in this thing you're gonna get girls or people who think you're cool or you're gonna like be a badass in a big truck it's like right they're looking for the transformation the end result yeah that's what yeah. you're selling you're not selling the item and that's really what marketing does I, I, this is really, really, really good. And I think that a lot of people skip over this, even people who have sales backgrounds, like I do, you're right. It's hunting. And we get, we get excited about that. Like I actually love real hunting, like put the pack on, let's go into the wilderness and, and find us some, and let's make sure we don't bring a gun. Let's only bring a bow and arrow. Cause that's harder. You know, like <laughs> let's make this thing as difficult as possible. I love it. But marketing, like you said, it's, it's just a very different process. It's setting it all up originally so that way then the hunting actually is way easier and it's like these two worlds almost like fight against each other but they should be working with each other what would you say uh is more important marketing or sales oh that's a good question sales is like the square meals a day like you have to have it to eat type of thing but marketing yeah. is the spice or the seasoning that makes it enjoyable if that's the a juice. good way to put it yeah it's like yeah marketing is like the thing that just it's constantly it's like the tug and pull like they both need each other right an organization that only focuses on sales, it's, I mean, it's, it's going to make a lot of sales, obviously, but maybe they're not as connected with the customer and how they're understanding that. So I really yeah. think, man, you're putting me on the spot. I would say, I mean, I'm a marketer, so I would say marketing, marketing could become sales. If you do, like, if you do good enough marketing, people will just come to you naturally and That's being right. kind of this benevolent alpha type of thing where you're just putting out good content and people are like, Hey, where do I sign? Like, where can I do more business right. with you? Or where can I sign up? I think I would say really good marketing could overcome just having a sales opportunity. Yeah. The, what you just said at the end there, I, I think has been probably a hard reality for me and probably a lot of really good salespeople. I mean, I've not only trained thousands of salespeople, but I've, I've created courses and you know, all that fun stuff. And so it's like, okay, I like, I really get it. I understand psychology, communication. I know how to walk somebody through the process like to the end, right? But what you just said is that it's not just like the lifeblood. Sales is the lifeblood. But if you have no leads or if you have no marketing or if you have no people, if you have no attention, you have nobody to sell to. So they, they obviously are, are hand in hand, but that marketing piece, when I think when I've really stepped back and like honed in on, you know, the chicken or the egg, it's like, well, wait a second here. I could be a really good salesperson. Okay. And I can make some things happen out of a few leads, which is typically what happens. If you have bad marketing, you have a good salesperson that knows how to prospect, which is technically marketing, but it's just the salesperson out there hunting. And, and that's fine. But if you have good marketing that sets up that really good salesperson, it like explodes. Would you agree with this? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I always look, especially from the corporate marketing side, for whatever reason, sales and marketing hate each other. And I'm like, you guys are doing the same thing. It's like customer acquisition. It's the same thing where yep. I, I see marketing as kind of the, okay, the salespeople are hitting batting practice and the marketing people are the soft tosser person throwing the ball up for the salesperson to smoke a nice home run. Yeah. If they don't have a good toss, they're going to hit it off to the side. It's not going to go the right way, but if they can keep lobbing up softballs for people, 
and just keep knocking it out of the park. I think really that's what it is. And, and marketing, just building this pool of interested people. And like I mentioned earlier, they're the liaison between the company and the customer. They need to have the finger on the pulse and know exactly what problems are happening, what problems or concerns would make them switch to a new provider or buy a product or whatever. I mean, everybody that does like target knows their market, their target audience. It's like, they're not Walmart. They are very clear about that. And like, they understand who their target audience is. They're not trying to say everything's the super cheapest because Walmart's already doing that. So I think knowing who your customer is, who that core subset is, and just like laser focusing on that. And then as the marketing happens, you'll get feedback from customers, whether it's social media or forums or whatever, and communicating all those things and the struggles to the sales team so then they can better speak the language. Again, it's like, they're kind of like a, I wouldn't say support staff because that's not the right term, but they're yeah. de- definitely the yin and the yang. Like you have to have both to have a really successful, bigger, larger company. That's right. What would you say, last piece here on marketing for the, for the you know, listeners who are building a business, maybe they're seven figures, maybe they're not. It doesn't, I don't think that part really matters. It's more so of just maybe like how much they understand, you know, this marketing piece. We hear what you just said, you know, like knowing your avatar and, or knowing your ideal customer, knowing what they like, what they don't like, or what you provide to them. And we hear this a lot is my point. And it's like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Like we kind of like, yeah, okay. Well, you know, glance it over or glass it over. But I've even just recently here gone through this again myself. And I'm like, oh, I could be more clear on this. I know these people, but I, I could be more clear here, here, and here because I really know them, but there's a gap here in the understanding of what I do to be able to solve their problems. How important is this? This is such a basic thing. It's almost like marketing 101 is like, know your target avatar or your target audience. But like it, I think it gets missed over. Like I think a lot of people just, yeah, 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 this is who I serve. And then they move on to the other cool marketing pieces, but it's actually probably more important than that. Would you agree with that? Would you, would you have any hindsight here for us? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I would say, I mean, and, and this helped a lot, like I said, in my agency years, because I worked in the big agency. I knew, I knew what they did and they knew what they did. It's like large scale production, right? We're not doing weddings. We're not doing real estate. Like we only shoot large scale productions for other agencies or for large companies, right? There were a lot of holes with that model that I saw. One was cash flow. You get large $100,000 project and then you never hear from them again. It's like, well, crap, how are we going to make payroll? But the other piece of it too is like knowing, again, how I position my business. It's like, okay, here's the market. Here's the different buckets you can be. Here's the bucket I'm in. And here's the things that make us different. And people tell me that all the time. Oh, well, I'm shopping around for a couple of different... I'm like, that's fine. But if you go talk to this person, here's what they're going to say blah, 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 like knowing the market, knowing the differentiators and just knowing where you fit in the grand scheme of your industry helps a lot. Cause then when people go out and they, they go and they shop a little bit more and they have a sales process with another company or another service provider or another product. And then you're right. Everything you just said was right. It's like, oh yeah, they did only talk about this. or they only, you know, now you've built some credibility. And I always tell people too, again, like I, my sales process is very, the benevolent alpha type, like you can do whatever you want. Like I'm just here to help type thing. And it's interesting yeah. when you do that because people just get so discarded. They don't, they realize you're not out there with a knife to their throat trying to get a sale. It's like, right. I, I don't need you to continue to be successful in business. Like I've got a roster of people I'm working for already, but if you want to level up and do the things that we're doing over here, we're happy to have you, you know, kind of being, being nonchalant about it, I think helps way more right. than, and than just being like pushy about it and trying to really just push it down somebody's throat. Yeah. Understood. Okay, what to, so keep it on this marketing vein, what's a good what's a good resource? A uh, podcast, maybe it's your YouTube channel, maybe it's a book, or maybe something in all three categories. What would you recommend that we grab that we can learn some some skills in marketing? 
Sure. Yeah. In terms of book, I would say the one page marketing plan by Alan Dibb, super great concept just to simplify the hell out of your marketing. Everybody's trying to, well, I need to do Instagram, I need to do TikTok, I should write blogs, but it's like simplify it. And Alan's book's a really good one to look at because in the same thing we've been talking about, marketing is a function of sales. If it's not driving revenue to your bottom line, it's not marketing. You're just trying to do stuff to do stuff, right? So yeah. that's a that's a great book. In terms of like videos and stuff, I mean, there's tons of podcasts out there. Yeah, I, I think the book would probably be the best place to look for. And then I, I do plenty of video marketing topics on my YouTube channel as well. So people want to check it out there. There's plenty of videos about how to use video in your marketing and stuff like that. Love that. Well, we'll put all that in the show notes as well. And that way they can check you out, check out the book as well. I got a question for you about family. You've mentioned, uh, you know, some, some targets that you had around building a lifestyle for your family, but this a question will be a little bit different. I'm a fan of, of obsession. Like this is what we've done in our business. We've obsessed in order to be successful. And, and I don't believe in balance. And so that, what that means is that I need to also obsess over my wife and obsess over my kids and all the other things that I love, right? So my question to you is how have you been obsessive in your marriage or in your family at the same time as building this incredible business? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say just being on the same page. There's some seasons in life where you're going to be working a lot longer hours, long, harder, the growth periods, that type of thing. But also knowing that as a business owner, you have the flexibility to decide what you do with your time. So that's super key. I think for me, especially in the last year, my son was born. I took a lot more time off than I expected to, but because I had the business set up in a way that I could continue to grow it while I wasn't here with contractors and other things, right. it gave me the time to focus where I needed to focus. So I think just having those non-negotiables in your life are really important. And people will respect you a lot more if you're not just a pushover with your time. If somebody calls you on a Saturday at 11 and they're like, hey, I need this, this report in by Monday, it's like, no, like my hours are this time. Like saying no is super powerful. So I think just having yeah. things in place that are your non-negotiables and the things you spend time on, but also yep. knowing that if you're in that early building part of your business and you're listening, like, like I did with my business, like I didn't spend a whole lot of time with my wife during the week because I was just busting my butt to try and get things That's paid right. and get things, get the money coming in and get the business off the ground. So just yep. knowing what season of life you're in, I think is super key. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. It's interesting uh, about the, you know, the power of saying no is that oftentimes it's, it's yes, but just on your terms. And right. So like Saturday at 11, they, Hey, we need this back, you know, as soon as possible. And typically when, when we've been trained to say yes, we just say, yes, I'll get it done. And we stop what we're doing. And we just do it for whatever reason. We don't know. It's not like they asked us to do it necessarily right now. They just need it by Monday, but this is what we do as opposed to saying, absolutely. I'll get to that first thing Monday morning for you. Is that what you would like me to do first thing Monday morning for you? <laughs> yeah. And, sure. and then letting them decide how, how priority it is, um, letting them know that the next availability that you have is Monday at eight o'clock or, or whatever the scenario is. So I, I appreciate that, man. It's a poised answer. So I appreciate it. I got one last question here for you. Ryan, if you had the opportunity to whisper in the younger Ryan's ear, what would you tell that dude? Jump earlier. <laughs> I, I was just so clung to my, my full-time job thinking that was security and safety. And the truth yeah. is like, you, you have to always bet on yourself. So I would yeah. say if I, if I had to whisper a little earlier, it would be, be more strategic about growth, commit verbally, tell people like I am leaving my job in the next six months, I'm leaving in the next year and I'm doing this thing. But more so than that, have a really clear vision for what you want the business to be when you're there. I was trying to just shoot anything and everything early on, like you know, weddings, yeah. real estate, traveling all over the place, know your lane. Like for me, it's corporate and fitness. Those are the two things I shoot a ton of. And that's again, a differentiator. But for me, I would say jump earlier and 
believe in yourself, trust, trust in the process and know that when you make your own luck in life, like you're never going to let yourself down. It's when it's always up to you, you will find a way. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting that that's what I congratulated you on, but it, it is, you gave a really cool depiction there of, it's not that, it's not that you wouldn't have chosen prudence. It's that you just would have maybe pressed on the gas a little sooner so that you could have left a little sooner. So I, I actually really, really appreciate that perspective because it wasn't just, no, I wish I would have been more reckless. Yeah. I um, would have just like drove it off the cliff and build the parachute yeah. on the way down type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which could have been the answer. And I think for some, they have to do that. They, they, they have to whisper to themselves or to someone else, like, just jump, just go, who cares? Some people need to hear that message too, but you know, press on the gas sooner is, is your message. And I, and I, and I appreciate that. Ryan, how can we find you? Number one, you've kind of, you've just identified fitness and corporate, but you also say you're, you're this liaison between like agency and also marketing, and you can kind of facilitate both, you know, strategy as well as video. So tell us maybe who you serve the best, or maybe some examples. And that way, if they're listening, they can find you and then how to find you. Sure, sure. Yeah. So I would say my my sweet spot is definitely like larger corporate fitness industry clients. So whether that's uh, larger gym chains, I've shot with a lot of like down in Oklahoma, there's a, a gym chain down there, the 12 locations. So we do all of their marketing for them. We go down for a whole day or a whole week and shoot their entire quarters worth of videos in four days. So we shoot like 30 or 40 videos in four days. That's really like the the sweet spot that my team and I focus on is we show up, we shut it down, we knock it out and then we leave. That's kind of the whole the whole focus there. But Again, the liaison between marketing and conversion, that's a really big thing for me. Corporate clients that are trying to figure out how the hell do we do marketing with video because it's the, it's the best way to communicate with people. So that's really the, the focus there. If you want to learn more, snodmedia.com. We'll, I'm sure we'll put a link down below. You guys can check out some case studies, some, see what people are doing, maybe learn a couple different angles you could do for your business, even if we don't work together. But there's a bunch of stuff on my website they can learn. And then if you want to learn more about me, I'm actually launching my own podcast, which should be live when this mm -hmm. comes out. It's called the Rhymes with Odd podcast, since it rhymes with my last name. So, and on that one, we interview business owners, people that have overcome crazy obstacles to achieve success in life. So really excited about getting that off the ground and, and going deeper with people. Well, I look forward to being a guest. <laughs> you haven't invited me, but I just invited you. Invite well, there myself. you go. Yes. I appreciate uh, your willingness to share and just to be here and not only just give, but you gave some really practical stuff, man. I think that your approach, the, the, what'd you say? The benevolent alpha, I think is actually well-received. I think there's a lot of people in business that need to hear that message to just go do the thing that you do well, make sure you're offering it and getting attention. But it's also, it's also great just to, just to be a giver because right things come back. And that's what I've, I've got for you here today, man. You gave so much today and, and right things are going to come back to you. We wish you nothing but blessing to your family and uh, your business, all your clients and here in 2023. Thanks for being here, Ryan. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight, and nine-figure business owners, is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe. 
that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.